Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. And welcome everyone to the Thomson Reuters Quarter 1 2021 Earnings Call. My name is Karen and I'm your event operator. During the presentation, your lines will remain on listen only. If you require assistance at any time, please key star zero on your telephone and a coordinator will be happy to assist you. I'd like to advise all parties the conference will be recorded for replay purposes and now I'd like to hand over to your host, Frank Golden, Head of Investor Relations. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for our first quarter 2021 earnings call. I'm joined today by our CEO, Steve Hasker, and our CFO, Mike Eastwood, each of whom will report our results and will take your questions following our presentation. To enable us to get through as many questions as possible, we would appreciate it if you would limit yourselves to one question each and one follow-up when we open the phone lines. Now, throughout today's presentation, when we compare the performance period on period, we discuss revenue growth rates before currency, as well as on an organic basis. We believe this provides the best basis to measure the underlying performance of the business. Today's presentation does contain forward-looking statements. Actual results may differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties related to the COVID-19 pandemic and other risks discussed in reports and filings that we provide from time to time to regulatory agencies. You may access these documents on our website or by contacting our Investor Relations Department. Let me now turn it over to Steve Hasker. Thank you, Frank, and thanks to all of you for joining us today. I'm pleased to report our first quarter performance reflects a strong start to the year, and we're encouraged by the momentum we're seeing build across the business. Our customers are more confident in both an improving economic environment and in the trajectory of their businesses. Positive prevailing tailwinds drove strong sales across the business as customers brushed off the restraint and caution exhibited in 2020 and bought our solutions in preparation for an expected rebound through the year. However, despite the improving outlook, risks remain given that the global pandemic is still significantly impacting many parts of the world. Notwithstanding this, we're encouraged by the first quarter's results and that increasing confidence is reflected in our outlook for the second quarter and also in the increase to the lower end of our full year revenue guidance. Now to the results. As I stated at our investor day, we operate in robust and growing legal, tax, and risk fraud and compliance markets. And our first quarter results reflect the strength of those markets and our businesses. And within our core markets, we have advantaged positions in high growth verticals including the seven strategic growth initiatives we outlined at IR Day, which contributed to our strong first quarter results. This strong performance is reflected in 5% organic growth by our big three businesses, our best first quarter post the sale of Refinitiv. This performance was led by Legal's 5% organic growth, the highest quarter since 2018. Strong sales across our businesses were driven by strong prevailing tailwinds and great performances across the board from our salespeople. Law firms see growing demand with small law segment in particular increasingly positive. The large and mid-sized firms have done well throughout the past year and continue to do so. Tax and accounting professionals are also busy advising clients on a host of challenges several of which are related to the US federal stimulus programs. And governments across the US and the world are now modernizing their systems and protocols in an effort to improve access to justice and reduce fraud, motivated by what they've learned during the COVID-related lockdowns over the past year. We believe these strong tailwinds position us well for the balance of the year. 
The first quarter's reported revenues were up 4%, with organic revenues up 3%. Adjusted EBITDA increased 16% to $558 million, reflecting a margin of 35.3%. Excluding costs related to the change program, the adjusted EBITDA margin was 36%. This strong performance resulted in adjusted earnings per share of $0.58 compared to $0.48 per share in the prior year period. Turning to segments, as I mentioned, the big three businesses achieved organic revenue growth of 5% for the quarter, a strong performance to start the year. We've seen good momentum in our seven strategic growth priorities with particularly strong sales performance from HiQ, Confirmation and Practical Law. Legal built on last year's organic growth of 3%, recording 5% organic revenue growth in Q1. Legal also had a strong sales quarter, recording double-digit revenue sales growth, recurring sales growth, and it saw good growth across the businesses, including Westlaw Edge, which continues to, to drive strong sales growth and ended the quarter at a 54% ACV penetration versus 52% at year-end 2020. And to reiterate, we expect to achieve a penetration rate of between 60 and 65% by year-end 2021. Second, practical law had a strong start to the year, growing 13% as we continue to invest behind this key growth initiative. And third, our government business, which is managed within our legal segment, continues to see good momentum and grew 12%, or 8% organically. Turning to the corporate's business, organic revenues grew 4%, despite a 2% reduction in revenue growth due to a loss of revenues impacted by the Affordable Care Act that was recorded in the prior year quarter but did not reoccur in 2021. And tax and accounting's Q1 organic revenues grew 5%, despite the extension of the U.S. tax filing deadline from April to May, resulting in lower transactional revenues. Revenue growth was also negatively impacted due to the acceleration of UltraTax software from January 2021 to December 2020. Organic growth in Q1 would have been 8% normalized for the UltraTax state release timing. We're expecting tax and accounting revenue growth to to be very strong in the second quarter, which Mike will discuss. Reuters News organic revenues grew 2% in the first quarter, a good performance. And Global Print's organic revenues declined 9%, better than expected, and helped by higher third-party revenues. You've heard me say that it's imperative that we elevate our value proposition to customers, enhance the customer experience, and maximize our performance. To achieve success, we must execute on our four key focus areas and achieve the operational and financial goals and targets that we've set. It's early days for our change program, but I'm pleased with the progress we're making and happy to report that we are on track. And to further strengthen our bench, we continue to supplement our existing teams with seasoned, experienced talent, with new additions in product development, digital, technology, strategy, and change management. This combined leadership team is executing well within our new operating company structure and is focused on the four key focus areas outlined in this slide. First, reimagining the customer experience by making it easier for our customers to do business with us. Second, optimizing and modernizing by simplifying our product portfolio and product development processes. Third, simplifying operations and leveraging technology by reducing complexity in our operations and technology organization and finishing the shift to cloud in 2023. And lastly, creating an inclusive culture of world-class talent. Over the course of the first quarter, I've shared with our employees that similar change programs have been successfully implemented at many, many companies over the past decade. We are not first in line, and that's a positive from a learning standpoint as we continue to drive growth and improve efficiencies. In fact, there are numerous success stories we can draw from, 
including Refinitiv's successful program, as we implement our own change program. And I'm confident we'll achieve similar success. Let me now turn it over to Mike, who will provide more detail on the first quarter results. Thank you, Steve, and thanks to all of you for joining us today. As a reminder, I will talk to revenue growth before currency and on an organic basis. Let me start by discussing the revenue performance of our big three segments. Total and organic revenues at constant currency were both up 5% for the quarter. This marks the third consecutive quarter our big three segments have grown 5%. Legal professionals' revenues increased 5%, and organic revenues were also up 5%. Recurring organic revenue growth of 4% was supplemented by a 17% increase in transaction revenue related to our government and elite businesses. Westlaw Edge continues to drive over 100 basis points to legal organic growth while continuing to maintain a healthy premium. Our government business, which is reported within legal and includes much of our existing risk, fraud, and compliance offerings, had a strong start to the year with total revenue growth of 12% and organic growth of 8%. In our corporate segment, total and organic revenues increased 4%, despite the loss of $3 million in revenue related to the Affordable Care Act, which Steve mentioned earlier. Recurring and transaction organic revenues were up 4%, driven by our legal and tax solutions. And finally, tax and accounting's total revenues grew 5%, with organic revenues also up 5%, driven by audit products, and Latin America businesses. As previously mentioned, we accelerated the release of some of the UltraTax state software from January to December to align with the traditional December release of our U.S. federal software. Normalizing with this timing, organic revenues for tax and accounting were up 8% in Q1. Moving to Reuters News, Total and organic revenues increased 2%, primarily due to our professional business, which includes Reuters events. This performance was slightly better than we had anticipated. And global print total and organic revenues declined 9% in the quarter. This performance was better than we had expected, driven by higher third-party revenues for printing services. Despite this higher performance, we still forecast full-year revenues to decline between 4% and 7%. On a consolidated basis, first quarter total and organic revenues each increased 3%. Similar to last quarter, we are providing color regarding our expectations for the second quarter. We believe second quarter revenue growth will be the high point for the year given the impact of COVID-19 on our results in the second quarter of last year. Starting with the total TR chart on the top left, we estimate second quarter total and organic revenues will grow between 5.5% and 6.5%. The big three total and organic revenues are forecast to grow 6% to 7%, in the second quarter. Growth will benefit from tax and accounting's paper return revenues that shifted from Q1 to Q2 due to the delay in the tax filing deadline. We forecast second quarter revenue growth between 10% and 15% for tax and accounting. In 2020, these revenues were shifted from the second quarter to the third quarter. Moving to Reuters news, we forecast second quarter total and organic revenues to grow between 2% and 3%. This increase is primarily related to Reuters events. The events team is currently holding all events virtual. We continue to assess when we can resume in-person events based on the local health experts' advice and feedback from our customers. Finally, Global print second quarter revenues are expected to grow between 1% and 3%, driven by, 
driven by the COVID-19 impact in the prior year and shipment delivery hold releases. Turning to our profitability performance in the first quarter, adjusted EBITDA for the big three segments was $523 million, up 21% from the prior year period, and the related margin was up 540 basis points. First, legal professionals' adjusted EBITDA margin in the first quarter grew 510 basis points to 41.8% compared to the prior year period. Second, corporate's adjusted EBITDA margin was up 620 basis points to 38.1%. And third, tax and accounting's adjusted EBITDA margin increased 500 basis points to 43.7%. The strong EBITDA margin improvement in each of the three businesses was driven by higher revenue growth and a benefit from 2020 cost savings initiatives. Moving to Borders News, adjusted EBITDA was $28 million, $9 million more than the prior year period, driven by revenue growth, 2020 cost savings initiatives, and timing. Global Prints adjusted EBITDA was $57 million, with a margin of nearly 40%, a decline of about 60 basis points due to the decrease in revenues. So in aggregate, Total company adjusted EBITDA was $558 million, a 16% increase versus Q1 2020 due to higher revenues partially offset by change program costs, which I will address in a moment. This slide provides more color on the various factors impacting our first quarter 2021 reported adjusted EBITDA margin. We exclude the impact of change program cost in order to provide you with an understanding of the underlying trajectory of the adjusted EBITDA margin. As you can see, the first quarter's adjusted EBITDA margin was 35.3%, which represents a 370 basis points improvement over Q1 2020. There were two main factors in 2021 that drove the significant increase over the prior year period. First, the permanent acceleration of ultra-tax revenues to Q4 2020 had about a 30 basis point negative impact. And second, the savings from the cost savings initiatives in 2020 provided a benefit to the margin of 490 basis points. On an underlying basis, excluding change program costs in the first quarter, the adjusted EBITDA margin was 36%. While this performance is impressive, we continue to recommend you assess our adjusted EBITDA margin on an annual basis. We will continue to increase our investment in the change program throughout the year, which will depress margin. We have good visibility into the levers at our disposal to achieve our full year margin target of 30% to 31%. Now, let me turn to our earnings per share, free cash flow performance, and change program costs. Starting with earnings per share, adjusted EPS was $0.58 cents per share in the first quarter versus $0.48 cents per share in the prior year period. The increase was mainly driven by higher adjusted EBITDA, partially offset by an increase in depreciation and amortization, higher income taxes, and interest expense. Currency had a one-cent positive impact on adjusted EPS in the quarter. Let me now turn to our free cash flow performance for the quarter. Our reported free cash flow was $239 million versus $35 million in the prior year period, an improvement of over $200 million. Consistent with previous quarters, this slide removes the distorting factors impacting our free cash flow. Working from the bottom of the page upwards, the cash outflows from the discontinued operations component of our free cash flow was $22 million more than the prior year period. This was primarily attributable to payments to the UK tax authority related to the operations of our former preventative business. 
Also, in the current quarter, we made 12 million in change program payments as compared to refinitive-related separation costs of 63 million in the prior year period. So if you adjust for these items, comparable free cash flow from continuing operations was 288 million, 175 million higher than the prior year period, primarily due to higher EBITDA and favorable working capital movements. Next, I'd like to provide an update on the financial components of our change program. First, in the first quarter, we invested 20 million of the 300 to 350 million estimated to be incurred in 2021. Second, we have achieved 19 million of annual run rate operating expense savings. As a reminder, we anticipate saving 600 million by 2023 while reinvesting 200 million back into the business for a net savings of 400 million. And third, as I previously shared, our first quarter adjusted EBITDA margin, excluding change program costs, was 36%, compared to our 2023 target of between 38% and 40%. Now, an update on our change program costs for the first quarter and the rest of 2021. Let me start by saying none of the annual estimates have changed from what we provided last quarter for the full year. Span during the first quarter was lower than we expected at $20 million, including $11 million of OPEX plus $9 million of CAPEX, and was primarily timing related. We expect change program spend to pick up in the second quarter and over the balance of the year. We now anticipate to have about 85 to 110 million total spend in the first half and 215 to 240 million in the second half. For the full year, we continue to expect to spend between 300 million and 350 million related to the change program. The spend will vary quarter to quarter, but we do not expect a change to the full year estimate at this time and there is no change in the anticipated split of about 60% OPEX and 40% CAPEX. We will continue to provide quarterly updates on our change program spend as we move through the year. And finally, as I mentioned, we are providing revenue guidance for the second quarter, and we are increasing the bottom end of our full year revenue guidance for total TR and the big three. We are also reaffirming the balance of our full year 2021 guidance based on the strong start to the year and our confidence in the trajectory of the business and markets. And we also reaffirmed our 2022 and 2023 guidance. Let me now turn it back to Frank for questions. Thanks very much, Mike. And that concludes our formal remarks. And we would now like to open the call for questions. So, Corinne, if we get up the first question. Thank you. So just to advise, it's star one on your telephone should you wish to ask a question. Your first question is coming from the line of Kevin McVeigh of Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. You're live in the call. Great. Thanks so much. And uh, congratulations on the results. Hey, I, I don't know if this would be for Steve or, or Mike, but I wonder you know, if you could just compare and contrast a little bit the recovery you're seeing today versus the GFC, because my sense is you folks are better positioned coming out of COVID than maybe the GFC, but maybe some of the puts and takes. And the reason I mentioned Mike Steve is obviously you weren't, you know, CEO last time, but any thoughts from either one of you would be super helpful. Yeah, happy to start with that, Kevin. I'm sure uh, Steve would want to uh, to supplement. I think the thing that we're seeing right now is just really great uh, relentless performance from our sales and account management uh, teams. I think we're close to customers, uh, or, uh, Kevin, if you look back over the last uh, decade, decade, and I think that was really amplified in, in, in 2020. So I think the performance uh, net sales would be a key barometer that I would focus on, Kevin, in the first quarter. We were up over $20 million, uh, in the first quarter net sales versus prior year. And we see that momentum continuing uh, into, into Q2. Uh, in regards to the print business, uh, Kevin, 
you see that continuing uh, to chip away in regards to when customers get back uh, to the office. So those would be some initial thoughts, uh, Kevin, but uh, really uh, kudos to our sales and account management team. And I think the relationships with our customers uh, are stronger uh, than ever. Now, in regards to one other additional point, uh, structural changes that we've had uh, in, in legal, if you go back to 20, 2008 and 2009, is uh, another factor, Kevin. Yeah, just to add to that, I think, Kevin, we're way I'd frame it is we're cautiously optimistic. You know, obviously, the vast majority of our business and our revenues are in the United States where we're starting to see sort of real signs of a return to confidence and activity, um, preparedness to invest amongst our customers in their businesses, um, you know, including uh, many of our solutions. So that's, I think that's, uh, you know, the optimistic side. I think where we're cautious for, for obvious reasons is in places like Brazil and Argentina and India where, you know, they're in the thick of it. Um, and our, our businesses in those territories has, has held well and performed well in the first quarter, but we're, we're not naive. It's, uh, you know, they, they've got a, a tough few quarters ahead of them. Um, so there's lots and lots of work to do and, and lots of business continuity planning uh, to get through in those places. It's super helpful. And there's a quick follow-up. Uh, I was surprised. It, it seems like the, the small law firm sentiment probably shaken up a little faster than what it would have thought. Uh, any, any thoughts around that? And then just, you know, thoughts on retention as it relates to maybe legal or accounting? Yeah, I mean, small law, as you remember, was, it was pretty, as a, as a sector, was pretty hard hit when the pandemic uh, started. You know, all, all of the sort of work around personal injury and a lot of work around uh, divorce and accidents and so forth, just went away as people retreated to their to their homes, stopped going to their places of work, and so on and so forth. So, I think we've seen a pretty. Notwithstanding that, I think our teams under Mark and Dad did a great job uh, throughout 2020 in, uh, in ensuring that, that our level of activity stayed stayed at, at good levels. Um, but we've seen a return to, to activity and confidence amongst those, those small law firms. Uh, Kevin, I would just supplement. We attempted during 2020 to support our customers as much as possible, and I think that's showing in 2021. Thanks again. Thank you. Your next question is coming from Tony Kaplan of Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. You're now live in the call. So, just to advise Tony, we may oh, be having. Uh, Hi there. Hopefully that's better. I picked up the headset. Um, the first quarter EBITDA margins were really strong, up over 350 basis points. Can you just help us bridge to the 30 to 31 percent guidance for the year? Is it that T&E or other costs are coming back? You know, just help us with that that cost bridge. Yeah, sure, uh, Tony. A couple things. The biggest factor, Tony, would be the the change program investments that we'll make. Only 20 million uh, in Q1 in total. A portion of that being expedite. That will significantly accelerate <clears throat> as we go into Q2. Uh, Kirsty Roth, who met at Investor Day, has recently uh, completed engagements with our partner to complete the migration of our Egan Data Center uh, to the cloud. Uh, Kirsty has also completed a contract with one of our partners in regards to the content modernization uh, that we also talked about. So those are two of the key initiatives. Uh, Kieran Stroop, who leads our digital self-serve, we're making good progress there, uh, Tony. So the biggest factor is the acceleration of our change program investments uh, through the remainder of this year. Yeah, certainly in Q1 did we receive some continued benefits from the discretionary costs like T&E. Uh, we certainly expect those to pick up as we go through the year. And we also have some additional investments in areas like in indirect tax uh, and practical law, Tony, that we'll make to help accelerate, sustain and accelerate uh, growth in those areas. But change program is the, is the biggest factor, Tony. That's great. And Steve, just given your new operating strategy, just maybe give us an update on how you're thinking about M&A, what you're looking for um, in terms of assets uh, that you'd be interested in acquiring. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Um, 
so uh, you know we, we we made a couple of small acquisitions in 2020, um, and we've got a an active uh, pipeline of uh, of opportunities that we continue to sort of assess and and and, and turn over and replenish. Um, I'd sum it up by saying um, we, we, that that pipeline is focused uh, in and around the big three. So we we don't have plans to to make any acquisitions beyond uh, the big three at this this point. Um, the acquisitions are mostly, uh, if not entirely, sort of bolt-on and complementary to both the big three and the change program. So we're looking at you know just to give you a sense of the kinds of areas we're looking at, and it's. It's uh, building on our uh, on our sort of great start in risk fraud and compliance with Clear and TRSS and and uh, and Pondera, um, you know places where we can help our customers automate uh, with, within the big three activities. Um, you know we're interested in supplementing um, uh, some of our, our our growth plays in, in in places like indirect tax and legal software, building on HiQ, um, and uh, we're always on the lookout for SMB. Uh, and international opportunities. So there's a sort of a sense for the kinds of things we're looking at. Um, but as, as, as you know, you know, valuations are full uh, at the moment, and in a way that's healthy because it it just means that we have to we have to be very confident that we are an advantaged owner, uh, and that in in many places those acquisitions can be helpful to more than one of our segments. So you know, when you we add all that up, we're going to continue to be very rigorous and, and prudent uh, as it pertains to. Uh, to our M&A activity, but we are hopeful in the back half of this year that we'll have, um, you know, a, a candidate or two to, to bring forward. For our next question, please. Thank you. We have your next question coming from David Chu of Bank of America. Please go ahead. Just one moment, please. <clears throat> Hello. So just to advise, we're taking your next question at the moment from Andrew Steiner of JP Morgan. Please go ahead. Hi, it's Andrew Steinman. Um, I don't think I heard your... Um, your expectation for organic revenue growth for each each of the big big three. I definitely heard a, a tax and accounting comment for second second quarter. Um, so that's my my first my first question. My my, my second question is uh, I was intrigued by the Reuters announcement around uh, you know introducing a, a paywall. Um, you know I wanted to know if you feel like this is going to be a revenue needle mover for news um, you know this this year and maybe what the capture rate. You think will be, you know, at the um, at the subscription price you're proposing. Yeah, Andrew, I'll, I'll take the first one in regards to organic growth rates for the big three. We do not break that down on a recurring basis, uh, Andrew. We stick to the big three. Back on Investor Day, we did provide uh, some lifecycle trends for each of those. Uh, for the big three, we'll, we'll stick with that. Uh, I would say that we're, we're quite optimistic uh, in each of them as we progress during the year. Uh, as Steve mentioned earlier, and I did, legal had a really great Q1, and we see that continuing to build uh, throughout the year. And then um, on the, the Reuters paywall, uh, Andrew, a couple of thoughts. One is, um, you know, we've noticed, as I think everyone in the, in the news business has noticed, that the sort of consumer uh, and prosumer preparedness to pay for very high-quality news uh, has gone up. So that, that landscape has changed over the last couple of years. I think the Reuters team have done a wonderful job in, in sort of doing the hard part, which is, um, you know, ensuring that our content is is of a sufficient premium to justify, uh, you know, that price point, and secondarily, putting all the machinery in place to enable us to to move to a paywall um, later later this quarter. Um, but, but let me just finish by saying we, we, we're being um, very very conservative as to what the uh, financial uh, uh, implications of this will be. Um, we we want to launch the paywall. We want to learn uh, from from our audiences and 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 look at those uptake numbers and and review the pricing and, and then move from there. So certainly this year um, there's very limited uh, financial expectations. I think we we view it as a very promising initiative uh, and one that that will that will uh, learn a lot from. 
but from a financial standpoint, uh, uh, really nothing to say. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question is coming from David Chu of Bank of America. Please go ahead. I think we're continuing to have some audio difficulties with David. No problem. Thank you. We have your next question from Vince Valentini. Please go ahead. You're now live in the call. Yeah, thanks very much. If I come back to the, um, the EBITDA margin for this year question again from a slightly different angle, I mean, given that you've set these um, sort of targets through 2023, can you fill us in on how management compensation is working? If there's big beats on EBITDA, in 2021, does that drive the bulk of management bonuses, or, or is, is the targets for 2023 now more impactful to to how you guys get paid? And a, a second question, sorry, if I can, uh, Mike, given the uh, proposed corporate tax changes, uh, can, can you give us any update on your ability to sort of move intellectual property around the world and, and, and keep your tax rate low, or should we be expecting directionally uh, an increase uh, with whatever gets approved uh, by the U.S. government? Uh, sure, Vance. Let me tackle the first one in regards to our long-term incentive plan. Just for everyone's benefit, we have a, a three-year uh, long-term incentive plan for 2021, 22, and 23. It consists of two levers, uh, 50% based on organic growth rate, 50% on free cash flow per share, so there's equal weighting events in regards to 21, 22, 23. Uh, for management to earn out just on the core baseline, uh, we have to uh, earn out each year events uh, there. So that's how the long-term incentive plan works. So the targets that we provided uh, to you uh, during investor day, we have to hit those uh, for the long-term incentive for, for all three years. Uh, in regards to the taxes, uh, is something that we're watching uh, on a daily basis. Uh, it's difficult to quantify it today, Vance. What we'll commit to, um, as any legislation actually passes, we'll provide uh, real-time updates on these calls. I would give you one directional measure, uh, Vance, in case it helps. In the U.S., if the 21% were increased to 28%, the impact on our effective tax rate would be between 1% to 2% kind of directionally. The other piece that we're monitoring closely that you reference is uh, potential global minimum tax. Uh, our intellectual property, we're watching closely uh, there uh, internally with our tax team and tax advisors. Too early to speculate on that one yet, Vince, uh, but we're watching all of those all of those items. For 2021, uh, we feel very confident in achieving the ETR uh, that we provided. Thank you. Thank you, Vince. Thank you. Your next question is coming from the line of Drew McReynolds. Please go ahead. You're live in the call. Yeah, thanks. Good morning. Thanks for uh, taking the questions. Uh, I guess uh, two, two for me. Um, a, a clarification, um, maybe over to you, Mike, on the legal side. Last quarter, you said Q1 would, would be a low point for, for legal. Uh, I, I think it was 3 to 4%. Uh, and you did 5%. Just wondering if that's still a low point uh, for legal uh, for the remainder of the year. And then secondly, maybe over to you, Steve. You talked about uh, where you're cautious uh, with the overall business, but certainly strong out of the gate here in Q1, an easier comp in Q2. Um, just wondering, you know, are you, are you being somewhat conservative with the full year guidance here um, or, uh, you know, do you see uh, certainly the tougher comp in the second half of this year uh, kind of kicking in? Just want to level set expectations here. Thank you. Yeah, Drew, I'll start with regards to the legal question. Uh, the way you summarize it, it is correct. We do view Q1 organic as the low point for the full year. Uh, we spent a lot of time with Paul Fisher and his full uh, management team. Uh, we're very encouraged by the momentum coming out of Q1, both with the sales and revenue activity and as we look at the pipeline. Uh, Westlaw Edge uh, continues to do uh, really, really well. We're getting the 100 basis points of lift there, which we've had been uh, there. Practical Law, which uh, which Steve mentioned, uh, the government business, uh, you know, 10% uh, 
nearly 10% organic growth in Q1. Uh, Steve Rubley is driving that business. So I uh, drew very, very uh, pleased with legal for Q1 uh, and encouraged, equally encouraged as we look out. You know, with that said, you know, we have to monitor the sales uh, every day uh, as we move forward. Uh, but the recurring net sales from Q1 gives us encouragement there. Uh, and Drew, uh, with regard to your your point about sort of strong out of the gate, are we, are we being somewhat conservative? But I, I think unequivocally, yes, we are being somewhat conservative. Um, and, and there's a few reasons for that. I mean, firstly, you know, we're all learning as it pertains to this pandemic. Uh, and I think we're we're optimistic, we're hopeful, um, we're upbeat about where the United States is headed. Um, but you know our headquarters is in is in Toronto, as you know, and, and Canada's still got some some progress to make. We we don't have significant exposure to the countries that are really struggling, but we have some exposure. Um, you know, and I think things will get harder before they get better in, in, in places like uh, Brazil and Argentina and India. Um, uh, you know, in addition to that, our folks are sort of poised in the second half of the year to return to office, but we've got to execute uh, against that and. Mary Alice Vucic and our, and our people team are very focused on it, but we, we've got to get that done. Um, you know, a lot of our business, uh, fourth quarter is an important quarter for us. Um, and, and then lastly, we're overlaying the change program. And uh, we're very excited about the first quarter or so progress in the change program. But as you've seen from Mike's comments on the investment uh, intensity, that, that ramps up through the rest of this year. So we're going to overlay a lot of change uh, on, on the team here as well. Um, so that, they're the reasons for our, our, our sort of uh, our caution and our conservative approach. I mean, as I said, we are we are optimistic um, and we're pleased with, with with how we started the year and, and where we're headed. But I, I think uh, you know, sort of a bit of conservatism is uh, is healthy. Understood. Thank you both. Thank you. Your next question is coming from Marisela Vargas of Barclays. Please go ahead. You're now live in the call. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, so I, I guess that is me. That uh, that's not my name, but anyway, hey guys, um, I just had one question. One was, and that was around just talking about the competitive environment. Uh, I was just curious, you know, if, you know, with all the changes you're making, if you're seeing, you know, the, your competitors uh, make note, take notice, if they're reacting, just any thoughts there would be appreciated. Yeah, man, uh, great question. So, as I think you know, we, we have a, a lot of respect for for our competitors, both both the, the folks who've been around a long time and um, have competed uh, in uh, in legal and, and tax and risk fraud compliance, and we also watch carefully uh, what some of the what some of the newer players are doing and and, and some of the sort of pure digital and innovators are doing. Um, I think the competitive intensity is is, a, is the same today as it was, uh, you know, when I started um, 13, 14 months ago. Um, you know, it, it's not more, and it's, it's certainly not less. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't think we've seen a market change. Um, in, in, in my time at the company, Mike can can provide you obviously a much longer time horizon there. Um, but we are, you know, what, one of the reasons that we've we're sort of so aggressive in pursuing the change program um, is we, we do want to create a much better customer experience and we want to lead our sectors in terms of the customer experience we provide. And, and we're pretty confident that if we get that right, um, you know, we're always going to be very diligent uh, about, about competitive dynamics in our markets. But if we get that right, we'll be in good shape. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Your next question is coming from Aravinda Galapathij of Canaccord Genu. Please go ahead. You're live in the call. Good morning. Thanks for uh, taking my question. Um, just going back to the, uh, the some of the outlook comments you made with respect to legal, I was wondering if you can uh, develop with respect to international growth there. I know that uh, previously you had talked about traction in the UK, uh, obviously practical law is part of that, as well as Canada. I was wondering if you can um, sort of expand a little bit on the international growth uh, element there. And uh, secondly, uh, just as a follow-up with respect to the tax comments, uh, is there an update on the uh, UK tax dispute? I know that 
there is a, a, an additional component uh, that we're waiting for, a larger component, I think over $600 million that Mike had alluded to uh, in a prior conference call. I was just looking for an update there. Thank you. Sure, uh, Eric, and let me uh, touch on each of those. You know, in regards to international, I'll kind of do more, more expansive than just legal. Uh, if you know, outside of North America, we're about 20% uh, of our revenue. We would certainly like to see that expand to maybe as much as 30% um, in the years to come. I think Lucinda and the team's doing a great job in regards to uh, UKI um, that you referenced there. Uh, certainly, uh, practical law uh, is, is very, very important for us in the UK. But if you look at Latin America and other territories, uh, I think we're continuing to do a good job there with Adrian Panini uh, leading our efforts uh, in Latin America. So I think we'll continue to be very surgical in regards to identifying some potential uh, acquisition targets um, that would help us expand um, our legal and really our full suite of products uh, in very specific geographic areas. Uh, in regards to tax or UK uh, HMRC, uh, very consistent with the last update that I provided uh, in Q1, we did make the initial roughly 100 million that related back to the 2016 <coughs> disposition of the intellectual property and science business. We currently are forecasting that we may, emphasize may, we may have to make a payment in Q3 related to the 2018 uh, divestiture of the repetitive uh, business. Uh, we're continuing to work through it. But certainly, we factor that into our forecast as a potential payment that we would have to make, uh, potentially have to make in Q3. Thank Corinne, you. We'd like to take one final question. One, one final question, please. Thank you. Your final question is coming from George Tong of Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. You're live in the call. Hi, thanks. Good morning. I uh, just wanted to dive into the legal segment. You mentioned um, 1Q should be the low watermark. Growth should accelerate organically from the 5% you saw in the first quarter. Uh, Westlaw Edge, practical law, government, all tailwinds. Just wanted to perhaps have you elaborate on, on, on the growth drivers. I mean, if we go above 5%, certainly that would be the strongest level of organic growth we've seen from the legal segment in some time and perhaps fold in the increasing contributions you're expecting from the change program and how that's going to lift organic growth and legal to, to new recent uh, highs. Um, uh, yeah, uh, good morning, George. Thanks for the question. So, um, look, a couple of things have, have, driven, uh, have driven, I think, a strong start to the year. Um, first and foremost, the work that Paul Fisher and his teams have done in, uh, in their outreach to our customers throughout 2020 and into 2021. I think I cannot say enough about uh, the way in which they've wrapped their arms around customers and supported them throughout you know, a very difficult uh, period of time. And as, and as the, the sort of level of activity of our legal customers picks up, so too does our, our business. So that, that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, you know, Andy Martins took you through uh, West Lower Edge and um, and uh, we also profiled the, uh, the, the progress with practical law. Um, we have made, I think, very solid, historically very solid product bets around those products. Uh, and, as a, and as a group, we're very focused on making sure that we continue to out-invest our competition in those products to ensure that their value is, uh, is, is distinctive relative to uh, any competitive offering. So that's... But from a product perspective, you know, they've really driven um, performance. We acquired HiQ, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. HiQ had a good first quarter, and we're excited about what, what HiQ can do, and we're excited about the way in which the team uh, in Egan and across the world have embraced HiQ, and we're excited about the, the way the corporates team under Sunil Pandita have embraced HiQ. So that, those are a few of the building blocks. But what I would say is that, you know, there's, there's been a change in the legal, uh, in the sort of the mindset of our legal customers. And it started early in the pandemic amongst the largest of the firms. And it's really started to flow down into the medium to, to, the, to the mid and small uh, groups. And, and that is that, you know, they're reviewing their real estate expenses and they're starting to look at increasing their investments in information and technology. And I think that provides a real opportunity for us if we get it right. Um, and we're hard at work to figure out what additional products and services and, and potentially what acquisitions we might make to serve that. It's early days, 
though, George. And so I think we're happy with where we are, but but there's some there's some real potential upside if we get it right, and 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 uh, we've we've got some 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 work to do, uh, and some execution to undertake to get there. Anything to add to that, Mike? Oh, uh, this summer. No, that's that's so that'll be our final present. And yeah, quick follow up. At, at, at the analyst day, your medium term target for the corporate segment was the highest among all your segments. And so, given the strength that we're seeing in legal, could you perhaps touch on corporate? What's what's going to drive the growth in corporate to exceed that of legal over the next two to three years? Yeah, uh, uh, the corporate business of PFOS, uh, George, uh, Sunil Pendenta joined us in December of 2020. Uh, so we look forward for him joining us to in some investor conferences coming up. If you think about the corporate business practical law uh, that we've discussed uh, quite a bit today, uh, the direct tax, indirect tax, we're very enthused about global trade management, uh, full portfolio there. This is where at Investor Day, uh, Aaron Brown and Brian Beccarelli uh, talked about our full suite of one source. So if you really focus on the, the one source suite of products, uh, specifically the indirect tax, uh, we're very excited about that. If you look over the time horizon, I think you'll see a, a very significant increase uh, in our corporate growth as we go through 22-23 uh, uh, to achieve the ranges that we discussed uh, with Investor Day. Got that very helpful. Thank you. Okay, well, that will conclude our, our first quarter earnings call. We appreciate you all joining us this morning and this afternoon, wherever you may be. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out to me or to Megan. And we look forward to speaking with you at a number of upcoming conferences over the course of the next several weeks. And we'll also speak to you again in early August. Have a good day. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. So just to advise everyone that concludes your conference call for today, you may now disconnect. Thank you for joining and have a very good day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.